Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. You don't get shootouts in Glen Hazel. Corner me, John and Long. Well, I don't even know if it was a shootout. I'm just making that up. But the point is that, can you imagine waking up every day and maybe a headline is that one of your traffic lights aren't working? Either way, Mark van Yasfeld is the Chief Executive Officer at the Community Actor Protection at CAP. Uh, we wanted to chat to him this morning. We got reports last evening of uh, some activity happening in Glen Hazel, and it certainly seems to be have been quite a, a story. Uh, let's find out a bit about that. Mark, a very good morning. Thank you for joining us. How are you? Morning, Howard. I'm awesome. Thanks. And yourself? Can you imagine what somebody like you would have to do in New Zealand? (laughs) Yeah, I often contemplate what life would be like, uh, you know, working and living in another country because there's uh, certainly... No two, no two days are the same in, in my life generally. So. Yeah, listen, you certainly yeah. see the worst of it. So if anybody, if anybody would have reason, it would be you. But uh, last night certainly sounds like it was a tremendously successful story, if, if success is, 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 is the right word to be used. Tell us what happened. So, so yeah, in essence, um, you know, obviously, you, you're aware, but perhaps some of the listeners aren't. You know, over the last 17 years, CAP has built uh, quite a substantial operation. And I think very often we come across the, you know, these ideas from residents that, you know, you need more cars and more guards and more cameras and streets. And, and that's very much a defensive way of thinking, you know, having these resources in areas which are important and unneeded, but it's defensive. You're waiting mm, for the criminal mm. element to effectively attack you, and, and sometimes defense is, is not the best option. So over the course of the last eight or ten years, uh, um, we've, we've slowly moved into you know, to developing intelligence and getting an understanding of who the criminal is and what they do and how they do it and when they do it, and, and then targeting them with uh, you know, precision as opposed to kind of hoping you find them on the day when they choose to rob you kind of thing. So... The last night was a, was an example of an operation that is taking place every single day. There are operations like this across the city, um, where we, you know, intercepting criminals en route to perpetrate uh, incidents. And in this particular case, uh, we had information that had been cultivated over a period of about six months. Um, we were able to understand all of the people, who they are, what they do, uh, what their roles are within this particular group. And and we placed them, obviously briefed the South African police, uh, and we have a very close relationship there, and then put them uh, you know, into operational status, which really just means that you've got enough information to justify allocating resources to then work on them on an almost permanent basis. Um, so, yeah. And they started to, to work last night, and uh, we picked them up. Uh, started to surveil them uh, initially in Melville, and then they drove all the way through most of the northern suburbs of Johannesburg, eventually ending up in, in Glen Hazel. And, uh, so were, were they aware that they were being followed at that point? No, no, definitely not. So, no. so this happens, you know, these types of operations happen outside of the normal routine cap operations. So your tactical vehicles and stuff like that are not generally part of the right, operations. Right, right. So we have specialist teams of surveillance of operations guys that drive undercover vehicles and all of these types of things. And obviously we're working very closely at a very high level with the police at a provincial and a national level. And uh, the whole team was able to get together, uh, you know, when the car entered the Glen Hazel area and the police decided to, do, you know, to stop the vehicle on the corner of Long and, and Mijon. And thankfully there was no shootouts <laughs> and there was no one that was injured. Um, right. And we arrested three suspects, found them in a vehicle with false registration, a whole lot of uh, vehicle braking implements, jammers. Um, and, and these are some of those aspects. Two of the three are actually known to us from uh, 
previous arrests, and uh, yeah, it was a great success, and we prevented an incident. Right, and uh, the I would imagine that simply uh, being uh, having these guys in custody could uh, potentially lead to more information where you can start to determine who else is involved in this, because it's never just about these three guys driving around, is it? Sure. Sure. No, every, you know, every, every operation, every, even if you aren't successful, you know, whether it's a surveillance operation, you understand how they work or, you know, in, a, in this case, an arrest, you, there's always threads of information. That yeah, I, I would imagine it's like a bit of a spider's web. That's how I picture it, where, exactly. where you, yeah. just by getting one, you can start to, to create these links. Correct. It's, it's almost like a small little, you know, if I go back 10 years ago, our understanding of the criminal world was limited to, you know, kind of what incidents were taking place and when they took place and what times they took place. And right, really that's what you were saying before, almost a reaction, like yeah. a reaction and, to and it, not more than and that. Now, yeah, and now we can actually, you know, we have a deep, deep understanding of who they are, where they live, how they work. And if an incident happens, let's say we weren't able to get, you know, prior warning or prior knowledge, uh, we can, with a very, within a very short period, say for, you know, degree of probability that it's these six or five guys hmm. uh, based on ammo based on on things that you pick up so it really is i guess in the beginning was a little ball rolling down a hill and uh, you know as it's continued rolling it's gathered more and more in momentum and it's gathered more and more and more data and and you know uh, as with most different sectors data today is what is really what's going to define mm. our future mm. so we are data hungry. We are yeah. trying to accumulate as much information as possible and using really sophisticated tools and great people to then get into the nuts and bolts of it all. The, I've got a whole, my questions like that spider web going two different directions. Let's just take it the one way. Is what happens now is, uh, is CAP involved and do you assist with the prosecution process at all? Because I'd imagine otherwise that could be quite frustrating knowing that that area of our law enforcement isn't running at, at, at capacity. Or it is running at yeah, capacity, so which is a problem. Mm. Yeah, you know, I think one has to distinguish between, you know, what happens in the a normal station, for example, mm. and then the normal like day to day stuff versus when you're working with specialist units and you know, even within our, our special operations team, the caliber of the people and the expertise is substantially higher. So what we're finding on, on what we call our target offensive system, which is this model where we, we targeting criminals and going wherever they are is because of the, the expertise of the police, because of the relationships that we have and, and our people, the, the statements and the evidence collection and the scene management is actually done very well. And that means then that the, the, the docket is actually in, has its best chance of being placed successfully in court and, and seen through to conviction. So if I give you like an example, you know, last year our tactical teams did a, just shy of a thousand arrests mm. throughout mm. all of our CAP communities. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, our special operations team arrested almost 400 suspects uh, of, of whom are mostly violent repeat offenders. And of those 400 arrests, we're seeing about an 80% conviction rate. Which, which is completely so, the opposite, not opposite because there's no opposite of 80%, but, but it's completely yeah. different to what we're seeing in the normal course of criminal justice Correct. in South Africa. Mm. Correct. And that's because, you know, you know, for a variety of reasons, the offenses that our normal tactical teams are encountering, you know, guy steals a light fitting and you know, those types of things is very little evidence that gets collated other than the right. statements of the individuals right. involved. And, yeah, you're gathering and all of the other things that happen. Mm. So, so at this level, you're operating, you know, 
really at the highest uh, levels that we can within the state and and obviously our own people are, are really experienced as well and then you're bringing all of this information translating that into intelligence which then leads to arrests and you managing the whole thing from start to finish so yeah and uh, obviously our legal team is very closely involved so we have a former mpa uh, senior prosecutor who we've uh, recently employed who's now in charge of quite a a detailed team at CAF that will work with the prosecution and will work with the investigating officers from here on in to to get that outcome. You know, it's, and uh, it's incredible. The other, simple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Carol Z says, Howard, I love and adore this guest of yours. What an organisation, absolutely. <laughs> and Karen says, uh, um, scary stuff. Well done to CAF. Uh, and the, the other thing, of course, is that you that over the years you obviously have. Uh, established a very, very strong amount of credibility with the police, whereas in the beginning it could be seen maybe as a little bit uh, uh, problematic or, or, you know, uh, com- competitive in a strange sort of a way. It's very clear to me now that that, that that relationship is a very strong one. Yeah, it's exceptionally strong. I think in the early days the states, with all different security, uh, you know, security in the private security industry was, was accelerating at a rate that was quite scary. I think they were quite concerned, and rightfully so. You know, ultimately there could be people with nefarious intentions to do whatever. But I think in in our case uh, today, we very much see ourselves in this, as an extension of the police. We will not do anything, you know, outside of what the police instructions are, and, and they ultimately are responsible from an operational point of view and, and in terms of the investigation side to make sure that everything gets done appropriately so that you have that that outcome that you want in court. So. Yeah, we, we generally like to, to be seen in the background and to support as much as we can, but we're blessed to be, you know, to have really good relationships and partnerships uh, at that level. Absolutely incredible. And uh, well done to you. Well done to everybody involved in CAP and uh, who are working tirelessly to keep us safe. Mark van Jasveld is a Chief Executive Officer at Community Active Protection. CAP Security talking to us about the incident yesterday and so much more. It's 7 o'clock.